0: Welcome to Generation Nation, the show that connects the five generations of Americans now living and working together. I'm Bobby Batista. Remember the movie Failure to Launch starring Matthew McConaughey?
1: I've lived upstairs since I was three. It's gonna take a stick of dynamite to get me out of my parents' house.
0: So where do you
1: see us going? Oh well, tonight I see us going back to my place. <laughs> Trip, as long as you're up, son. Oh. Oh, oh, come on, Pop. You two have fun. Hmm.
2: You live with your
1: parents?
3: Is that a problem?
0: Classic Matthew McConaughey before he started winning Academy Awards. But that movie was on the money. According to a recent write-up in the New York Times magazine, one out of five people in their 20s or early 30s are living with their parents. Sixty percent are receiving financial support from their parents. Now compare that to a generation ago when one in ten young adults moved back home and even fewer received financial support. We're talking about the boomerang generation, for better or worse, failing to launch. We've assembled a couple of millennials who are living at home after college, and we asked them to bring along a parent or grandparent to help us understand this new normal. Also joining us, lifestyle gerontologist and regular Generation Nation contributor, Dr. Alexis Abramson. Okay, let's get right to the kids. Not that we're judging or anything else, but Rebecca... First of all, we should say you just lost your job. So we, uh, yes. we feel for you and we understand that you consider yourself lucky that you are living with your mom.
2: Yes, I would be in a tough spot if I was under any kind of rent agreement.
0: Don't apologize. Believe me, there's many millennials in the same position. But when you moved in with your mom, I think it surprised even you because you told me that you did not think your mom was going to let that happen.
2: Yes, my mom had always told me. Once I go to school, I'm never coming back home, and it was just set in stone, not going to happen. And then I got sick my senior year of college, and instantly I was allowed back home. Her motherly instincts <laughs> just kicked in. and
0: But you thought she would move out, right, Karen, after she was well? I was
4: hoping for the best. Um, <laughs> but, but part of that is um, I wanted to also be financially secure to make that transition. So we were waiting for that to occur. And that didn't quite happen. You no, got we'll it, be you waiting, got it waiting a while. Trial. Yeah. Well,
2: you got a job. You did get a job or two, I'm guessing. Or? Yeah, I worked as a receptionist right out of school until I could find a real job, and then I did that for the past year. And <laughs> what was your major? A business. So okay. pretty g- generic, but but wise. That's still a yeah. good move. Did you have any college debt? Uh, no. My parents were very sweet. As long as I went to a in-state school, my parents took care of everything. And they, they will for if I want to get my master's or my doctorate. That's okay. the deal. Okay.
0: Andrew, let's bring you into this conversation. What was your situation? How did you end up back at home living with grandma?
3: Basically, I, I guess I got home from school and I was living at my dad's old, his apartment. He had to move to uh, Los Angeles. Uh, I, I stayed at his place until um, his lease was over. <clears throat> and then when that happened, it was kind of like either I sign a lease and be locked into that situation, which uh, I was not financially prepared for, or I guess personally, emotionally prepared to be on my own to that capacity, and so. My grandmother, Sandy, uh, offered to have me move into her her place, and uh, I very graciously accepted um, to live rent-free.
0: Full disclosure here, Andrew is an intern here at GPB, so we know he's not being paid enough. um, (laughs) So, again, you were lucky. You had had a, a, a family member here who could take you in and help support you. And, Sandy, how did you feel about that? Well, quite frankly, I was delighted. When Andrew was little, he spent a great deal of time with me because I kind of lived halfway between his home in Roswell and his school in Atlanta. So he spent a lot of time with me. And I was able to kind of turn the clock back. And I felt as though that this worked very much for me. I was very happy. I really have enjoyed Andrew being with me. I like hearing about a whole different point of view on many subjects. But you touched on something a minute ago, and I want to bring Dr. Abramson into this, uh, because there are some not just physical uh, adjustments to make, but there are psychologi- psychological challenges, I think, for both, both sides of this
1: equation. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, first of all, this sounds awesome. I absolutely was so in love with my grandparents and my parents just as much. And so I think, you know, for me, when I listen to you, I think what a joy to get even more years out of those wonderful relationships. So I applaud you. Um, but with that being said, we all know that there are such boundaries. I mean, there are rules, especially that the parents and grandparents have that really need to be thought through and and. and from a psychological standpoint, really abided by. I think from a financial standpoint, um, I didn't get from anyone that there was much of a contribution that was going on financially. But perhaps, and if not, maybe from a time perspective, just making sure that you give the quality time back to to the person that is 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 there with you, whether it be your grandparent or your parent. I also think that um, one of the things that can happen is this sense of codependency, where you know if you're not out on there on your own and you're not um sort of in your own space it it becomes a bit of a crutch so making sure that you stay with some modicum of independence and you do do your own things and making sure that there is a time frame if possible I mean to have just unfortunately lost your job I know must be so alarming but maybe from a goal standpoint positioning it that you know and, and expressing to your to your mom, you know, it's going to be 18 months and that's my goal or it's going to be 24 months. So you both almost have some sort of calendar set because otherwise it does get a little bit gray.
0: Andrew and and Rebecca, do you make financial contributions? Are there house rules? I mean, how, how does it operate?
2: Um, there's no house rules. My mom's really chill. She's honestly So, uh,
0: if you had a boyfriend, could he spend the night?
2: Uh, yes. Okay. I mean, just checking. All my friends growing up, they would come to, like, my mom when they needed something. My mom's very open-minded and very sweet. Don't cross her, but <laughs> she's extremely cool. Um, but I do try to contribute. It's semi-on hold right now,
4: <laughs> by the way. It's, it's on hold right now. Understood. Yeah, Rebecca was paying rent while she was with me until recently. Until last week. <laughs> and she would buy her own groceries. So we basically shared some common space, you know, the kitchen. I pay the phone bill. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so there is some financial contribution, which we based it upon her income. Mm -hmm. So she could still build up some savings to make plans yet still contribute.
1: You know, and I think that's a really good point as well because making sure that you have your um, financial ducks in a row as a, as a kid in you know, your 20s is so important because if all of a sudden you get that dream job, it's still not great payment. Understanding how to make sure that, you know, what percentage you need to put aside and all that. So I think that's fantastic, um, Rebecca, that your mom is, is kind of even teaching you that along the way is really critical because that can get lost. <laughs> Andrew, what about you?
3: I had to pay rent.
0: $75 every two weeks. It was 100 150 a month yep. that included laundry and food and mm-hmm. but still yeah uh,
3: I guess the main house rule was I had to make my bed every morning <laughs> and I had to keep all my things picked up um, well that's reasonable oh absolutely. <laughs>
0: I got the I got the sense when I talked to both of uh, you Rebecca and Andrew before we came in here was that Rebecca you you were pretty comfortable living at home. Andrew on the other hand, you kind of couldn't wait to get out I mean you you were calling your girlfriend in New York and saying please move here so I can move out
3: <laughs> I guess it did happen that way it's a little dramatic in retrospect but um I guess uh, it it wasn't anything about um, not wanting to live with you, Sandy, um, because I had, you know, we had a blast. Um, it was uh, after you spend that much time on your own as a student and not having to, I guess, answer to someone or have to have someone who keeps tabs on you, I was getting a little stir crazy after being on my own all summer. And then all of a sudden, I'm in a situation where I kind of lose the independence that I felt like I I gained and I, and I worked for a little bit.
1: I think that that's really important. I, I would just want to follow up one financial thing, because I know that you and I were talking, um, Bobby, at one point about your being a recession baby. You know, when you graduated, you were in the recession. And one of the things that's really important for, especially for our listeners, and, and, and I think both of the guests, is that, you know, that makes you start out already accepting something that's lower than you probably deserve based on your education. And one tool that we need to really make sure that everyone understands is to continue to ask for your value as opposed to where we are today because if you start let's say you were gonna make twenty five thousand dollars and because of the economy you accept 20 well that starts you at 20 and it just takes so long and some mm-hmm. lots of people who are from you know when you look back at it from a trend standpoint lots of people that did graduate during recessions and very hard economic times still have never caught up 20 30 40 even years later mm-hmm. so that's just something to kind of think about. Um, but from the independence um, standpoint, Andrew, I can understand that too. And, and, and I was just kind of curious when you guys were both talking, is it harder for a guy as compared to a girl when it when it comes to it when, you know, moving back? Because I, I've read that the and I've learned that the whole, you know, concept around it being embarrassing and all that is almost gone away. Is that the case?
2: I feel fine. Doesn't bother you. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> See, yeah, um, I got to jump in here because I think that's a major difference between say the baby boom generation, a lot of us graduated during that recession in the 70s and you guys today. I think for a lot of us it never occurred to move back home. We we would I worked three jobs. I knew I could, but I didn't want to. I don't think my parents expected me to. We just kind of did everything we could to be on our own because that's part of the process of growing up and
4: you And problem-solving, if you will, (laughs) you know.
2: that's what mom did.
4: She was... Yeah, (laughs) I was determined not to go home again. I mean, that was just not in the plan. It wasn't considered. Right. Yeah.
0: That's very different with this. This generation graduated, I think, and they were surprised... By the fact that they couldn't get jobs. You know what I mean? You get you guys have been brought up to, you know, win trophies yeah. all the time and get a lot of praise and you thought you'd get that college education and a job would be waiting. Everybody in this New York Times article, same thing. They yeah. were shocked that this happened to them. And many of them said they were not prepared during college to expect this. True? True.
3: They don't really tell you that in communications school that there's no job market yeah. for communications, you know. I have so many friends in Los Angeles that are waiting tables. And with, I'm, very, I'm very lucky to be here.
0: With 80000 in debt and well, right. college
3: loans. Exactly.
0: One more question, um, Alexis. I'm not sure that this is uh, a phenomenon just to the
1: millennial generation. I'm wondering if this is kind of becoming a new normal. I think it is becoming a new normal. And I think that you just a moment ago really touched on one of the reasons, which is there's a lot of coddling going on. I mean, I I hate to tell you, but a lot of these kids, especially in the New York Times article and in several articles that have come out in Forbes recently, um, their parents behind their backs are kind of saying this kid's lazy this kid's needs to get it together you know I I adore I love this child I'm never gonna you know leave them out with tough love and just leave them you know outside they haven't it's not drinking it's not drugs it's not something that uh, you know they just want to move back in but I think we have a little bit of millennial laziness in some cases that's going on that needs to be talked about and actually you know I think with the The two guests that are here today, it doesn't feel that way, but when you read and you talk about it with some kids, it's just easier and it becomes a crutch, and I think that that has to be discussed, open lines of communication.
0: and, And what would be the best way to
1: avoid that from happening? Should there be goal setting? Should there be time frames? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, As we talked about, there should be a goal. It's not that that it's, um, you know, you're going to live with me for the rest of your life. There should be a financial um, or at least some sort of time commitment that's based in the family. Open lines of communication have to happen. You know, one thing that we forget is that our parent and grandparent, they may like the fact you're not there anymore they may have liked the fact that your room that you had in high school was now where their treadmill is you know and really understanding that although you're the love of their life and their number one priority they may want to reinvent themselves as well so I think a lot of what's happening is that it's it's kind of trickling down what does my child need but the child's really got to start thinking too what does my parent need you know, what, what did they need? This is the prime of their life. This is, you know, so these real open lines of communication are critical.
3: Any last words that we want? Andrew, go ahead. Um, I have to disagree a little bit on the notion that people are moving back home because of laziness. I think that there is a general sense of apathy in America, not just on my, among my generation, but among everyone. I think that people feel a little helpless in this day and age and the, and the fact that people can't get work and I think that a lot of people just don't know what to do. And people are going back to the family as a result of it. And it's not just an overall laziness or unwillingness to work. I, th- I think that when someone is, you know, when an individual is told their whole life that when you work hard and play by the rules and you get your job and you'll be able to afford your life, and that's not really possible for many people. And I don't think it's laziness. I think it's a sense of social and political apathy.
0: I think there's probably a lot more that the older generations could do to help the younger generations. Um, and maybe that's where the happy medium is at some point um, in this issue, is that we're not, we're not helping them enough. You know, we don't want to sit here and just judge. And as parents, you're emotionally involved, you know, so I don't know. Maybe there's a new field there, well, Alexis. <laughs> well, Andrew, I'm so
1: glad you brought that up, because that's exactly what I was looking for you to say, frankly, in the sense that there's this concept that generalization that millennials are lazy. Okay, there's a percentage of millennials that are lazy, and because it's open door and people are just saying come back because it's not embarrassing anymore, we're all, you know, in this situation, that group is is using this as a crutch. Someone like you who understands is, is obviously setting goals, is obviously contributing financially, look, going down the path from a job standpoint, that's someone who needs and deserves the respect of a lot being allowed back into that environment. But I think that people need to – there's a dichotomy there, and, and it's got to be figured out. Parents need to – and grandparents need to figure out, is this person just, you know, kind of feeding off the lamb, or do they really need me? Can, can I add another yes. – a tangent to that. When I graduated from
4: college and, and got my first job, my second job, the employer expected to do some on training with me on the job. And as I look at the job market today and I watch what's gone, what Rebecca has gone through, and, and I'm in the educational field, so I'm aware of other students as well, and there seems to be a major change in the employer's perspective. They expect people to come to the job trained, and that's a big oh. difference I learned on the job, but through mentoring and through more structured training. And I'm not seeing that as much today. So I think many people are floundering in that first job. And it's not because they don't have the capability. They just don't necessarily have the structure to get them through that transition to be productive on that job
0: yeah uh, I've got to wrap it up here but I uh, you, you landed on a good point and it goes to the point I was trying to make about the older generations yes. need to help the younger yes. generations more I totally agree with you on that uh Dr. Aberson, thank you so much for being with us and 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 Rebecca and Andrew best of luck to you especially you, you Rebecca we'll do everything <laughs> we can to help you out thank tell you. everybody you need a job Rebecca needs a job <laughs> <laughs> and, and Sandy and Karen thank you both very thank much you. appreciate thank it
3: thank you thank you
2: Peace up, Peace A-town, up. down.
0: Join us for our Next Generation Nation. If you haven't already, subscribe to our podcast. Find it on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And thanks for joining us today. I'm Bobby Batista.